Hello and welcome back to episode 9 of Quick Cuts, a plastic surgery podcast. In today's episode, we'll discuss lower extremity trauma, with a specific focus on soft tissue reconstruction of the lower leg, so let's get started. And we'll start with a review of anatomy. The lower leg can be divided into four compartments. These include the anterior, lateral, superficial posterior, and deep posterior compartments. Within the anterior compartment, we find the tibialis anterior, extensor digitorum longus, extensor hallucis longus, and peroneus tertius muscles. These muscles are accompanied by the anterior tibial vessels as well as the deep peroneal nerve. Within the lateral compartment, we find the peroneus longus and brevis muscles as well as the superficial peroneal nerve. The superficial posterior compartment contains the gastrocnemius, plantaris, and soleus muscles as well as the sural nerve. And finally, in the deep posterior compartment, we find the tibialis posterior, flexor hallucis longus, flexor digitorum longus, and popliteus muscles. And these are accompanied by the posterior tibial and peroneal vessels, as well as the tibial nerve. We'll talk next about the evaluation and management of the lower extremity trauma patient. As with any trauma patient, your first step is always to ensure that ATLS protocol is followed. In taking a history, you should ask about medical comorbidities such as diabetes and vascular disease, as well as the patient's smoking history. Important components of the focus history should also include the timing and mechanism of injury. It's also important to assess the patient's pre-injury functional status. On physical exam, you should evaluate the extremity for perfusion and sensation. You should also assess the presence and extent of bony and soft tissue injury. For open fractures, the Gustilo-Anderson classification system is often used to describe the injury, and divides open fractures into three groups. Type 1 injuries include open fractures with soft tissue lacerations less than 1 cm in length. Type 2 fractures include lacerations between 1 and 10 cm in length without extensive soft tissue damage. Type 1 and 2 injuries tend to result from low energy mechanisms and are clean wounds. Type 3 injuries result from high energy mechanisms and include a soft tissue wound greater than 10 centimeters in length. They're further subdivided into type 3A, which have adequate soft tissue coverage despite the extensive damage, type 3B, which include periosteal stripping and will require soft tissue coverage, and type 3C, which involve a vascular injury that requires repair. In addition to assessing the wound, a final critical component of the exam is assessing for signs of compartment syndrome. And for these, we usually think of the six P's, which include pain out of proportion to exam findings, poikilothermia, pallor, paresthesia, paralysis, and pulselessness, which is typically the last finding to present. In regards to imaging studies, x-rays should be obtained to assess the degree of bony injury, and angiography should be performed emergently if vascular status is threatened or in question, and may be obtained electively if free flap reconstruction is indicated. Initial management of open trauma in the emergency department should include removal of gross debris from the wound, administration of IV antibiotics, and updating the patient's tetanus as needed. Acute operative management should include the repair of any limb-threatening vascular injury, fasciotomies if compartment syndrome is present or suspected, reduction and stabilization of any fractures, and thorough debridement of any contaminated or non-viable tissues. The definitive repair of bony injuries should be delayed until you have a stable soft tissue envelope. Thus, it may be necessary to achieve temporizing skeletal stability with splinting, external fixation, or provisional internal fixation until the soft tissue envelope is stable. 
Similarly, definitive soft tissue reconstruction shouldn't be performed without a clean and stable wound bed. To achieve this, serial debridement may be required and can be repeated every 48 to 72 hours as needed. The application of negative pressure wound therapy will often be used to temporize the wound between serial debridements and or the definitive reconstruction. The ultimate decision to pursue limb salvage versus amputation is a complicated one, and indications are an ongoing subject of debate in the literature. Commonly cited indications for salvage that you may hear include limb injuries in children and adults with intact plantar sensation. Alternatively, commonly cited indications for amputation include complete tibial nerve transection in adults and crush injuries with greater than 6 hours of warm ischemia time. The reality is, however, that the ultimate decision on whether or not to pursue limb salvage is made on a case-by-case basis. When pursuing salvage for injuries requiring flap coverage, the algorithm for soft tissue coverage in the lower leg is classically described by dividing the lower leg into thirds. The classic teaching for upper third defects involves the use of a pedicled muscle flap, with the gastrocnemius being the gold standard. For middle third defects, the soleus flap is the classic workhorse flap choice. For defects of the distal third, reconstruction with a free flap is the classic teaching. Both free muscle and fasciocutaneous flaps have been described for this purpose, and should also be considered for more proximal injuries that are not suitable to local or regional coverage. Commonly cited alternatives for patients with injuries to the distal third that are not free flap candidates are local fasciocutaneous perforator flaps, such as the reverse sural artery flap. For those patients that do undergo free flap reconstruction, recent data indicates that optimal outcomes are achieved when performed within 10 days of the injury. Following reconstruction, potential complications include infection and reconstructive failure. And that concludes our discussion on lower extremity reconstruction. As always, you can send any questions, suggestions, or feedback to jakemarksmd at gmail.com. Otherwise, you can find me on Instagram or Twitter at jakemarksmd. Thanks for listening. See you next time.